Hey Randy, let's keep this short and sweet because I need to hear part two of our chat with Itamar Gilad, product management coach, for more about the GIST framework. No no jokes today, Lily? Uh, do you have any jokes? Oh. I mean, you know the quality of my usual jokes. Uh, no comment. Okay, yeah, so let's prioritize our chat with Itamar over my attempts and let's get straight into it. The Product Experience is brought to you by Mind the Product. Every week, we talk to the best product people from around the globe about how we can improve our practice and build products that people love. Visit mindtheproduct.com to catch up on past episodes and to discover an extensive library of great content and videos. Browse for free or become a Mind the Product member to unlock premium articles, unseen videos, AMAs, roundtables, discounts to our conferences around the world, training opportunities, and more. Mind the Product also offers free Product Tank meetups in more than 200 cities, and there's probably one near you. So, okay, let's move on from ideas to taking it into into uh, market, actually. So whether you're at low confidence or high confidence, you have to then do something about it. You have to do further evaluation or move into more of a build phase uh, and, and keep testing. You advocate steps. What's the difference between a step and a milestone or, or anything else that we use in terms of a, a normal so, product development? Steps are vaguely what people call experiments. I don't like the word experiments because I think some of the things we do are not really experiments. I, I prefer the, the way statisticians think of experiments as something that has, has a control element. So we are sure that the results we're seeing are relatively sure that the results we're seeing are not just random noise. And some steps, the early steps, are about just doing research, just evaluating, just collecting data, because these things bring evidence. And at, at the end of every step, we need to come back and reevaluate the idea. So for me, a successful step is any activity or project, usually a few weeks long, where at the end of it, you understand the idea on a better level and you can re-rank the impact and effort with higher confidence. The thing is to always start with low I mean, when you have low confidence in an idea, also low investment. So start out with the simple stuff, with surveys, with fake door tests, with the easy things. And only when those also show supporting evidence, move forward. I mean, once you build enough confidence, you can move on to the next level, which is about building early versions of the product and putting them in front of customers. So this means usability tests. This means all sorts of alphas or early adopter programs. This means internally testing it through a dog food or a fish food, which is a limited dog food just for the team. And once you're satisfied that these things also show support, you can move on to the later stages, which are about a much more complete version of the product. So, Edomar, moving on from ideas, you know, whether you've got low confidence or high confidence, you then need to do things about it. You need to experiment, you need to put into production and then experiment. Um, what are the steps all about? How does that work? How are they different than, than, say, milestones or other project management type things? So, again, our natural tendency is to get excited about an idea and then just go for it. Let's build it as fast as possible. Let's put it in the, into the hands of the users and then 
we will iterate if necessary. And a few things happen. Usually it takes longer to actually complete the project than we expected, sometimes much longer. And throughout this time, we don't learn anything. So obviously, instead of building the project around engineering milestones or design milestones, we want to build it around learning milestones. And that's where steps come in. Steps are short activities or projects that we execute very quickly. And at the end of them, we learn something new about the idea. We validate some assumptions. And a successful step is one where we can risk all the idea. We can estimate impact and ease with higher confidence. So that's what we're trying to do. And at the end of each step, we can make a decision once we risk all the idea, whether or not we should pursue this idea, or maybe we should park it, maybe we should pivot it and test it again. These are all valid options. And we need to decide how far we want to go along the steps. There are very early steps that are just about collecting data and teaching us something about the idea. There are more advanced steps, which are about building a version of the, the product and putting it in front of users and measuring the results. And then there's A-B experiments and even holdback experiments while we launch, and you can go very far with these things. The question constantly is, do we know enough to feel that the risk of launching the idea in full is justified? If you don't test at all, you're actually testing with 100% of your users. So. I suggest testing at least with some users, every idea, and with risky big ideas, test with a lot of users for a long time. And it might be surprising to many to hear this, but it's actually faster to build projects this way. There are two reasons for that. One is we waste far less time on bad ideas because through our early tests, often we already can determine that the idea is not strong and we can park it. And the other reason is that when we build through short steps, so when we put in front of the team very tangible milestones in three weeks from now, we're going to test with 12 users. We need this prototype with this level of functionality. In three weeks after that, we're going to build some sort of MVP version, and that will be tested with more users with a higher level of polish. These are very tangible things. We don't have time for procrastination, for over-engineering, for scope creep. We're very, very focused on the minimum that is still viable to test. And often what we learn is that we can launch something much smaller than we first imagined, and it still does the job. And that's perfect. Then we can move on to the next idea. So despite what our intuition tells us, it's much better, much more efficient to build, measure, and learn instead of just build, build, build. So when you're Going through that process of the steps um, and coming up with ways in which to, uh, I guess, validate or invalidate your ideas. One of the things that I often struggle with or, you know, find difficult to prioritize against is, you know, we talked about impact and obviously some ideas are going to have a much bigger impact than other ideas. But do you always, you know, how do you decide which ones to go for in the sense of, the ones with the bigger, do you just always go for the ones with the bigger impact or are you sometimes just optimizing? Um, like I tend to sort of try and find like a spread of different sized ideas, I guess, in order to make sure that we're making small incremental optimizations and then also have those bigger step changes. But I guess if you're not confident on the impact in the ideas stage, 
how are you then sort of adjusting things in the steps stage? That's a great question. And this is another case where we really need to rely on, on our judgment and on good communication. It starts from the goals. If the goal is ambitious and the key result is really forcing us to push ourselves outside our um, comfort zone, we need to find slightly higher impact ideas. But that comes with a trade-off. That also means higher risk because these ideas tend to fail more often than the smaller incremental things. But if that's really what your manager expects, this is really what the company needs, let's go for that. Let's find the big ideas, even if we're, if they're low confidence, let's, let's optimize for impact. In other cases, we're more risk averse. We don't want to shake the boat too much. So in this case, we'll go for the smaller things or the things that are safer. And in some cases, we just need to load balance also our resources. So we, we have a limited number of uh, people. We want to give an idea to each one or to a couple of people jump on an idea together. So we're also balancing based on that. So there's no one way. It's more of an art than a science. But I think these are the key factors, the, the risk, your risk appetite, your available resources, and also... Um, which ideas are available because sometimes you don't get to choose. You just have a predefined set of ideas to work with. How do we know when we're done with steps? Are they a stage gate process? Are they an organizing principle? Are we ever finished or is there a defined end to the steps? For me, steps is just a way to structure your project around learning. Uh, and the last step, by the way, is the delivery step. It's the, the most important one. And in it, there might be multiple uh, classic engineering and design uh, milestones. But I would argue that before that, you want to do this kind of build, measure, learn steps. And some people call this discovery, this phase, and then the other phase delivery. I'm of the camp that argues that during discovery, you're already developing your idea somewhat. And when you move into delivery, you already have some version of it, sometimes pretty evolved, mean viable product, alpha, whatever it is. And even during the delivery, you keep learning things. And sometimes you start iterating and going back and changing things. So there's some learning happening there as well. So whether you call them steps or build, measure, learn loops or discovery versus delivery, it doesn't really matter. It's all the same thing to me. And how do you factor time into all of this? As in, are you like committing a certain amount of time to each step in order to get to confidence or to make a decision? Or um, is it just, you know, I'm assuming it's not infinite time until you feel like, yes, we're going to deploy this or no, we're going to can it. Absolutely. It should be time boxed. Uh, Part of the problem that I see is that we're kind of working on two different levels of planning. We have the project, which sometimes is short, it's just a few weeks, but sometimes it's months or even quarters long. And then we have the sprints or the, the iterations, which are very, very short. And connecting the two sometimes is not very trivial. So we don't see a lot of meaning in each sprint because it's there are just small increments towards the bigger project. Steps create kind of a middle ground the maximum a few weeks long. And in these few weeks, we want to both build a version, launch it, run the test, collect the data, analyze it. So it's it's pretty ambitious. And it's a project. Once we start involving engineers, designers, it is a project, a mini project with a very concrete 
target audience with very concrete target date with very concrete scope and it can map it into a few sprints or it can be a sub part of a sprint it doesn't really matter as long as we are able to deliver it and just having this smaller context really brings life to the project because I don't know if you ever worked on one of these not launching anything for 12 months projects it's really a different dynamic once you you work with steps and again build measure learn loops or discovery whatever you want to call them steps is not an original invention of mine it's just a different way to build projects so technically then if we are breaking our product development down into mini projects we're all project managers Yeah, I I realize that the word project is very loaded. (laughs) Randy, do you fancy leveling up your product management skills? Always. Are you ready to take that next step in your product career? I thought you'd never ask. (laughs) Well, you're in luck. Mind the Product runs regular interactive remote workshops where you can dedicate two half days to honing your product management craft with a small group of peers. You'll be coached through your product challenges by an expert trainer and walk away with frameworks and tools you can use right away. And they're offering a one-time 15% discount for any of their August 2022 classes, taking place on August 11th and 12th. You can choose from Product Management Foundations, Communication and Alignment, or Metrics for Product Managers. Just use the code SUMMER15 when buying your ticket. That's S-U-M-M-E-R-1-5. Find out more and book your place in an August workshop at mindtheproduct.com forward slash workshops. As someone who has been part of uh, some of those year-long not launching anything things in my past, I want to hear a little bit more about what that transformation is like. What happens to the teams? How do they how do they respond to this? How do they embrace it? When I teach this to engineering teams, they are the biggest supporters because they are in a situation where they keep getting these plans dropping on them from the top, sometimes from the product manager, sometimes from even the product manager doesn't know why we're building what we're building. And they're just there to to deliver. And most engineers don't love this mode of work. They want to be involved. And this system kind of gives them the opportunity to do this. They can be involved in setting the goals. Some goals can come from the engineering teams or some candidate goals. Of course, the managers, the stakeholders are involved in, in influencing the goals, but definitely the team should be there too. They can propose ideas. Now that we're opening the, the stage for more people to suggest ideas and we're testing more ideas, and it's not just this competition of who wins, definitely someone from the team can come up with an idea. And because we're much, much faster now, this idea can come to life within a couple of weeks. It's much more rewarding. And then the steps create, as we said, a sense of immediacy and more excitement. And every time we get results and the, and the customers love it, the team gets excited. Then it's mostly about connecting this to the reality of Scrum or Kanban that they use and Jira and all this good stuff. And for that, I suggest a tool I call the gist board, which is basically either a physical board with sticky notes or a digital board. It has three columns, essentially one for the key results that we're trying to 
to, to follow. And by the way, this could be also technical key results. I don't like having hidden projects where, yes, we have our business goals, but also 40% of our time is going to some hidden project. Absolutely, the leads of the team should agree in advance that this quarter we're also devoting some time to killing technical debt or improving the infrastructure or doing a, uh, killing some design debt. That these are all good things. So the GIST board reflects all the goals the team has, and ideally not not more than four key results. And next to it, the current ideas we're testing for each one of these key results. Some key results may wait, and some key results are active, and we have a bunch of ideas. And next to them, the immediate next few steps for each one. And my suggestion is that the leads will manage the board, will update it because there, there are going to be a lot of changes constantly, but the team will meet on a regular basis, usually before the planification or the sprint planning and look at the board and, and update what's the status, what's preventing them from moving on a step, etc. It's a great opportunity. It's also the checkpoint to follow on the OKRs because we know that the OKRs will not happen unless there are regular checkpoints. It's also an opportunity to reevaluate if we're following the right ideas. So within Affenhauer, you can do this whole kind of mini status meeting that is incredibly important to create the context and to remind everyone, we're not just working here to move tickets to the done state, we're trying to achieve something bigger. This context really helps the developers. I've been told this many times because they now know they're not just implementing a small change, they're actually connecting it to a step and that step is validating an idea and that idea is connected to a goal. It also works in the opposite direction, by the way. The managers and the stakeholders are often very frustrated with the team because the team keeps iterating and churning out stuff and doing demos, but nothing comes at the other end. It's, it seems very slow and tedious to them on all this churning about, and they keep waiting there and saying, when are we launching this feature that I'm waiting for? When it does launch, sometimes they're very disappointed because it's not exactly what they expected. So with an evidence-guided system like GIST, they have a lot more visibility into the ideas the team is evaluating. They can see where their idea is stacking up and how it's being tested. They can see the steps. And usually they're pretty interested in the results. So I recommend to PMs to share the results and even to involve stakeholders and managers in evaluating what they mean. The tasks, not so important, the, you know, the stuff that lives in Jira, the work items, etc. they don't care about this. But this helps them build trust in the team because this, they see that the team is following the process. It's very transparent. It's very objective. And they see how this connects to, ideally, to business results. So over time, with enough cycles, we start seeing more and more trust being delegated or more ability to delegate to the team to make product decisions. And you've mentioned that some of the steps can sometimes be business modeling, like financial modeling or user research. So when you're planning your GIST board, like um, you've kind of talked about it a lot in the context of planning work for a development team, but is it work better when it's more of a cross-functional team that has all of those kind of capabilities within it? Absolutely. I mean, if the first step is someone needs to do a data analysis and that someone is either we're lucky we have a, a data analyst or a data scientist or it's the PM, you know, the, the person who fills up the, the gaps. Uh, so absolutely put a sticky note with the name of the PM there. If you want to put owners on the sticky notes and say, analyze the onboarding experience and see how many people we lose in every step of the onboarding. 
absolutely step number one we can run other steps in parallel by the way it doesn't have to be sequential so i i strongly advise to to do a cross-functional gist board not just keep the the work of the pm or the designer hidden from the team and often the team can help in things that are usually outside kind of their scope of responsibility they can help run experiments they can take notes they can analyze data they can do a lot of stuff and they sometimes are very happy to do these things and it's much more efficient if they do them because someone needs to do this if you start being evidence driven you start finding a bottlenecks in pm and classic pm and designer work and it's really nice if the team can step up and help with these things i think that's a really good point and um something that i always try to encourage in terms of a mentality in my team is like everyone's a product manager <laughs> um and uh, i think this you know as we try and work in this way of like beginning to get evidence or trying to get evidence for things before we start to build them it means that there tends to be well i find there tends to be a bit more work up front before you start building so then having one developer or one product manager and six developers the balance there isn't quite right always when you have to do a bit of financial modeling or some data analysis or user research and yeah getting the team involved in those activities um, absolutely yeah there's another side to this pms tend to be very busy also when they work with teams because there's an expectation for them to create the perfect ticket with full mm. user stories with fine detail and definitions and done etc and it consumes a lot of time if we use this model of steps and we give the team a lot of context they understand the problem we're trying to solve we're trying to build smaller things just for testing a lot of times you don't need to give that much detail you can actually delegate some of the decisions to them when i worked at google I was perfectly happy when an engineer would invite me to their desk and show me something they cooked up with the designer and ask me, what do you think? And I didn't have to tell them and they came up with ideas that were far superior to mine. I would never be, have been able to come up with those and it would take me a long time to turn them into a specification. So that's what you want to do. And I think it, in Gmail throughout my time there, maybe 50% of what was built was actually my idea or, my, or in my specification. It was kind of... So by creating the context and by giving people the chance to contribute while staying in the loop, don't just delegate all the decisions, you're, you're perfectly capable to do more of the upfront work because you kind of are deputizing them in a sense to help you do your, your classic work. Uh, so what kind of teams have adopted this approach that you've worked with? Um, are they generally kind of starting from scratch or just having a review of the ways of working or um, are they kind of already in a good place and then just using this to finesse the way that they're working and and what has the impact been of implementing this the most common case i face is an existing organization that has already a product organization and they want to improve they want to they read the books they want to move into this world of discovery and to this world of lean startup and they're struggling with it either for cultural reasons or because they don't have the tools sometimes the product managers are actually ex-project managers or ex-designers too they, they lack the background and they're really while they understand the principle they're just looking for a framework to put it all together so that's usually the classic case for uh, gist and I worked with teams of all uh, types, 
business to consumer, business to business, platform and system teams, medical, even companies building tractors or equipment for tractors, all sorts of, of things. You need to adjust the system. It's not a one size fits all. Not everything is necessarily perfect for every company, um, but that's a matter of trying and, and iterating. So a process, just like a product, is something you need to be a bit kind of cautious about, give it a chance, experiment, validate that it's actually moving you in the direction you want, and then change it or iterate on it. That's the way I recommend doing it. What are the results? So usually one immediate result is that people understand they're not very good with metrics right now. They don't measure the right things. Their OKRs are usually, they realize, are not as good as they should be. Um, but on a more positive note, the discussion, the level of discussion usually improves because once we introduce ICE into the discussion, a lot of this kind of opinion-based, argumentative sort of uh, discussion, the battles of opinions gets pushed to the side and we and the companies start being more concrete and more determined, I would say, about launching ideas of high impact. Long term, I would love to tell you that I have extensive research about business results, etc. But I don't think that actually exists even for some of older things. Uh, but anecdotally, I did see companies that really benefited from adopting at least partially the, the framework. And it's absolutely not just about just gist. It's about em embracing also design thinking and research and data analysis and product discovery. Gist is just a meta framework that kind of puts these very deep ideas into context. I don't know, Adamar, it sounds like you need to go through a few more steps to up the, the scale of where gist is on the confidence meter. Yeah, that's... Uh, that <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to, I had to do it. That's um, fair. That's fair. <laughs> just uh, one last question, because we've kept you for way past uh, anybody's bedtime on this one. So, uh, and thank you for sticking with us. But last question for anyone who's trying to implement this for the first time to bring it to their company or, or even to their team. Any top tips for uh, the first time you, you go through this for a successful implementation? First off, just to plug my own uh, content, you can subscribe to my newsletter and you'll get an automatic email from me that, with links to basically everything I mentioned, including a number of eBooks where I, I share the system and blogs and the confidence meter as a downloadable calculator and other stuff. This is the end of the commercial plug. Second, I suggest you start by analyzing where the, the weakest part is right now. Is it really hard for you to create goals? You create too much output goals. It takes forever to do the quarterly planning. Start with goals. Start with the goal layer. If you're really struggling with ideas, you're launching a lot of bad ideas, the, the discussion which ideas to launch is taking too long, start with the idea level, introduce ICE, start collecting ideas in, in idea banks and try to allow the team to iterate on more than one winner idea, so to speak. If you are rushing to launch and you're not testing along the way, try to introduce steps. So try to maybe introduce something like the gist board where we, next to each idea, we ask ourselves, what's the next step? What are the biggest assumptions and what are the things we need to validate in order to gain more confidence about the idea? And try to be iterative. This, this is a hard because some 
teams are not set up for this, especially large B2B. That's a big transition, but it is a worthy goal. And this is something you can put into your OKRs as well, some of these things. So my top tip is find where your biggest pain point is and start uh, implementing it there. Tip number two, by the way, is make the case to the executive team and find a champion. So convince someone that this is really the most impactful thing you can do for the business or one of the most impactful things and have that person support your initiatives within the organization. Is it better to take this to them before you implement or to start implementing small with the team and uh, then show some results and take it to them that way? Really depends on the organization. Um, I think a grassroots movement where we just do this internally within the team and then we wow you with the results sometimes works. But if they don't know what you're talking about and they still expect you to work in the old way, it sometimes blows up in your face. I think it's worthwhile to have the discussion upfront, but come prepared. Analyze the, the roadmap from the past years, analyze business performance, try to put a, a dollar number or euro number of how much time we're wasting right now implementing things that don't work and make the case why we need change and then propose the change and try to make it gradual, try to create a safe sandbox, maybe a couple of teams will try to work this way for a couple of quarters and then we'll analyze the results, etc. Try to gradually build their trust. With no trust, with if it's completely top-down, then you're facing a, an uphill battle. So you really need them on your side. Edemar, thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun talking to you about all this today. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. The product experience is the first and the best podcast from Mind the Product. Our hosts are me, Lily Smith, and me, Randy Silver. Lou Ron Pratt is our producer, and Luke Smith is our editor. Our theme music is from Hamburg based band POW, that's P A U. Thanks to Arnie Kittler, who curates both Product Tank and MTP Engage in Hamburg, and who also plays bass in the band for letting us use their music. You can connect with your local product community via Product Tank, regular free meetups in over 200 cities worldwide. If there's not one near you, maybe you should think about starting one. To find out more, go to mindtheproduct.com forward slash product tank. <laughs>